It's a life-changing message by the Reverend Sam Crunchy Ankara. Before he elevates you and brings you to the place of your fulfillment must take you through tests. And for a man like Abraham, believe me, God called him when he was 50 years. He made his first move at the age of 75, 25 years later. The first part of the promise was fulfilled at the age of 100, 50 years after God spoke to him. And then God finished his last test, which was the seventh test, at the age of 125 years, before God could confirm a status upon the man Abraham. David had gone through about nine major tests before he could become a king. Elisha had gone through tests. In my work with God these few years, I have discovered that without going through tests, God will never bring you to the place of acceptance, of recognition and fulfillment. God will not do it. And one of the tests, very serious one, that God will always take all his clients, his children through, is the test to hear his voice and obey his voice. The test of obedience. I would define obedience to you in my own terms and way. And it will help you. Write this. Obedience is to carry out instructions or command to the letter. To the last word. To carry out a command or a set of instructions to the last word. In other words, obedience will not you if you obeyed instructions 95 99.5% and then you leave out 0.5 giving reasons and excuses why you could not carry out the instructions to the full 100% you would have failed There was no leader that said God more than Moses maybe. Went to dangerous places that every leader feared to go. Pharaoh. To contain and to contest the power of Pharaoh in those days over a period of time. Huh? And yet for one disobedience God said, Moses, I'm sorry. You can't see the land. Wow! But God, I have obeyed you. I wrote the Ten Commandments. Lord, I've done everything. Oh my God, God said, thank you, Moses. Thank you for this little one. 
So when God, in, in God's dictionary, when God talks about obedience, God talks obedience, obey him to the last letter, to the last word. Otherwise, all the previous acts of obedience will not even be looked at and considered by God. The second definition that I give to obedience is this. To remain faithful and loyal to a cause or vision or a person. Remaining loyal, remaining faithful to a cause. You are all in a group. Your desire is to lift up the group through music and singing. You must remain faithful to the cause. You must remain loyal to the cause, to the vision. At any material time, when you involve yourself in acts that would dis- disintegrate your, your group and create confusion in your group, I want you to know that you are not going to pass the test of obedience. You surely fail. So, so keep your focus on the cause, the vision, remaining loyal to a person. It's an act of obedience. Now, the third definition that I give for obedience is to protect the interests of your superior or to represent his interest. To protect or represent the interest of your superior. Now, usually, we, we say yours obedient servant now so as soon as you're talking about obedience then you suppose that instructions will be coming from a higher authority usually your superior and you are expected to carry out the instructions now you will be amazed that the same servant who just carried out a set of instructions to the fullest last night hears somebody saying some nasty things about his superior and his contribution will go as follows oh is that so oh you two you have heard eh? oh my god I didn't know that you two you know about this <laughs> anyway I don't want to talk about you otherwise they say we are gossiping so let's pray about it you've already gossiping you say now let's pray about it you are not obedient so even though yesterday you carried out his instructions for failing to defend him and to uphold his interests, you have failed the test of obedience. And so, obedience means carrying out instructions or a command. It also means being faithful to a cause or vision, but it also means defending and protecting the interests of your superior. No matter his weaknesses and no matter his faults, write this quotation it comes from me after having worked with God these few years this is my observation so inverted comments open and then when I finish the statement close it and attribute this statement to me because I do not want to create problems for anybody this is the observation I quote It is very difficult to please God 
it is very difficult to please God because of his complex nature. It is very difficult to please God because of his complex nature. Semicolon. But when you master the skill of pleasing God by knowing his will, the reward is overwhelming. But when you master the skill of pleasing God by knowing his will, The reward, capital R-E-W-A-R-D, underline. The reward is overwhelming. Psalm Crunchy Ankara, 30th December 2001. Remember, I made this statement this day. Based upon my personal observation and walk with God. In Genesis chapter 18, which I want you to make reference to, Genesis chapter 18, which is one of the scriptures we shall be looking at. Genesis chapter 18. You will see the complexity of the nature of this God that we serve. However, when you master the skill of knowing his will and identify his presence when he's near, my God, the results are overwhelming. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, Make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and a good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they heard. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. That passage is loaded with a lot of powerful revelations. Remember, he says, Where is Sarah, your wife? And then number two, I will return to you According to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age. 
And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Verse 12, Therefore Sarah loved within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah love, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Why won't you say that God has a complex, very difficult to see or to understand? How would Abraham know that those three men who were passing were the men who were going to prophesy the release of a 25 year old promise? How would he know on earth? The man only just said, Oh, no, a, a gentleman, I, I think it's too late where you're going. Why don't you just come and, and stay overnight with me? And then he decided to just be, be, be uh, hospitable by, 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 by just providing them with some meat and some butter and some cake and some food. And he just wanted to show them kindness, not knowing they were the people who were going to release a 25 year old prophecy and to cause it to come to pass. Where is Sarah your wife? And I'm sure Abraham got startled. How did this man know that I have a wife called Sarah? Oh yes, God knows. God was telling Abraham, Abraham, I know you have only one wife, but of late you have lost faith in me and you have gone chasing that girl called Hagar. You are thinking that because Hagar has brought you a son, he is going to be your wife. But Abraham, I recognize only one wife. That wife is Sarah. That is all that I know you have. And I don't care how old she is and I don't care how dead the womb is. Where is your wife Sarah? Because the time has come for God to fulfill covenant, and she is the covenant maker. She said, He said, She is there. And they said, A year today, I will return to her, and she will be pregnant, and she will have a son. And then Sarah heard the thing behind and said, oh, This man of God, oh, when they come and get some small goats, and some small meat, and some small. Then they start giving big, big, big prophecies. Look at it. That, that, do they know how old I am? And how old my, my husband Abraham is? What did we hear? Son? Oh, I. And then they said, your, your, your wife Sarah is disbelieving us. She's laughing. Then, then I could hear, hear Abraham say, but how do you know that she's laughing because she's not here? They said, you call her and ask. Sarah comes. Why did you laugh, Sarah? I, I didn't laugh. No, she wasn't lying. You know why she wasn't lying? She is amazed. Who are these men who will know me by name? And when I'm laughing in my closet, they know I'm laughing in my closet. When I have doubt in my heart, they know I am. I have a doubt in my heart. Who are these men? She was taken aback and she was shaking. I hear this prophecy God said Sarah I don't care if you believe I will return to you now why will God say return when somebody is returning it means that the person has been there before and the person is going to come back again now what it means is that Sarah we have been coming to you and preparing your heart to receive this miracle long time but anytime we come you are not ready but say hey Sarah we shall continue to return until your heart is ready until this prophecy is fulfilled because we serve a God who is a God 
reward of a second chance. When you miss the first chance and you miss the first opportunity, he will give you another chance until the prophecy is fulfilled. Somebody shout three times, I receive it. Yes. I will repent to you. God has been there before. He came with your miracle. You were not there. You were not ready. But I came to tell you, the Lord said, in the year 2002, he will come again. Doesn't matter what you miss in the previous year. He is going to give you another chance. Another chance. Another opportunity. I will return. I will return. And your, your, your wife Sarah will be pregnant. Hmm. Tell somebody, this time when God returns, I won't miss the miracle. Tell somebody, this time when God returns, I will never, I will never, I will never, I will never. I will position myself and I will locate the anointing. Give somebody a high five and say, you are blessed, brother. And give the Lord a resounding celebration of joy. Hallelujah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am saying that but for Abraham's spirituality, the miracle would have slipped through his fingers. But he was able to catch a revelation. These are the men. They carry the anointing. They carry the prophecy. These are not ordinary men. Let me receive them into my house. Then the question is, so if he hadn't done what he did, what would have happened? God. It's not easy to please him. It is not easy to know his ways. But when you master the skill of knowing his will and following after his will, the result and the reward is overwhelming. Dead wounds can get pregnant. Weak bodies can be resurrected. Fire can come into them and they'll begin to produce children. have a God and you need to be on the covering for God to fight certain demonic powers that will come your way wanting to disintegrate you to kill your testimony and to let everybody laugh at you and to say you say you serve a living God but I came here to say the devil will fight ten times he will never win any of them when you fall you will rise again let the devil win and win and win and win. One win that the Lord brings will superimpose and cancel all the other defeats. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Somebody rise up and say, I am blessed. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Let the devil try. Let him do anything. Let him laugh. God will release only one laughter in your mouth and that will be over. It will cancel every pain and every sorrow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I release this prophecy in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. Three things. If you want to attain obedience. Three things must happen to you to attain obedience number one you must find your calling and God's will for your life and the word find is 
strongly used here find it search for it look for it because it's not easy to find god's will for your life and calling because the first thing is that you are tempted to follow the crowd or you are tempted to follow people but i came here to tell you god never created you to follow others or to emulate or to walk in somebody's anointing God created everybody to walk in the unique calling, in the unique style, and in the unique anointing. Oh yes, you may be a preacher, you may be a hairdresser, you may be a footballer, you may be a sportsman, you may be a, 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 a computer analyst, you may be a journalist, you, you may be a lawyer, a doctor, a professional, whatever. You are unique in yourself. That is why all the fingerprints uh, of all of us are not the same. You have your own special one, your fingerprints, your footprints that is why your DNA is different from her DNA so what it means is that you came and you arrived on this earth in your own unique self so now you must find that your new unique style find your calling and, and the will of God for your life is like a small pin that has dropped in your room. And when you are looking for it, you need to pull all the furniture out and you need to sweep. And somebody will ask you, what are you looking for? I said, well, I'm looking for a small pin that hooks my earring. And if I don't find that small pin, it means that my earring is useless. I can't use it again. And I must find this small pin. You know that we may know what I'm talking about. So you sweep the place and you are looking for the small pin. And when you look for the small pin, your earrings are set. That's the will of God. When you find the will of God, your life is set on course to progress and to succeed and to prosper. It took me 10 years to find the will of God. And in the course of it, it was as though all my friends had gone ahead of me. Or everybody I was behind. I, I felt so bad. I, I could not come out. I, I could hide. And you know, some of you, when you are behind life like that, you start cooking stories and you start lying. When you meet your former colleagues in town and uh, their classmates, and they ask you, hey, what are you doing? You say, hey, well, uh, I've done some computer and I'm going to do the diploma in UK. My father, you... What I bet UK, your father is no way. My father in UK is going to send me a visa and I'm going to do to go and finish my diploma. Lie! You just want to create an impression that you too, you are somebody. Find God's will. Find God's calling. You are a special person. You are a unique person. God has something for each and every person. If you don't put in sacrifices and, and, and time to find it, you will never find it. Search for it. Ten years I was looking for the will of God. It was very embarrassing. But I used prayer. Sought the face of the Lord. Prayed. I said, God, what are you doing with me? And the moment I got the revelation and God said, this is what I want you to do. I said, God, but I thought you wanted me to become a businessman. God said, you preach. The businessman will come. You preside over them and you give them ideas to do business. And that's exactly what God is doing. That's exactly what God is doing. Let me give you a tidbit how that when you are not walking in the will of God, how you will know. When you are not walking in the will of God, you feel signs and, you know, of, 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 of uh, unfulfillment and, and 
um, you are not satisfied. You, you, if if it's a, a place that you work, anytime you are going to work, you, you see that something start pulling you back. Hey, I'm going again. You don't have the joy. You don't have the satisfaction. You don't have fulfillment. Now, these are signs that you may be doing the wrong thing. Sometimes it will just mean that you are so lazy, so your boss doesn't like you, and he picks on uh, uh, on you, uh, and blah blah. Um, sometimes it will also just mean that okay, um, yeah, uh, uh, the man is some powerful occult man, and he's dealing some occultic power, and so his spirit and your spirit cannot meet. So anytime he sees your face, there's war in the spirit. Whatever it is, if it's the first reason or the second or the third, what it means is that something is wrong somewhere. So when you begin to have that feeling of no satisfaction, no fulfillment, no results, on the, on the contrary, when I'm coming to church, oh, you should just see the excitement. I feel so happy that I'm coming to minister to people. I'm coming to bless people. I'm coming to speak into people's lives. I'm coming to put marriages and relationships together. I am coming to speak hope into a young girl who thinks that her education has come to an end. To, to, to put fire into her faith again. And week after week, Friday after Friday, Tuesday, Sunday after Sunday, I am doing this and I'm doing it on radio, I'm doing it on television and I'm so excited and because I'm excited, I put in all my strength and my, my, my energy and, and so I'm getting results. I'm getting results. I'm having results. And you will notice that anything that you do, when, when, when your, your self is in it, your emotions are in it, your strength is in it, all your resources are in it, you discover that you do it and you do it well. And because you are doing it well, you are having results. And because you are having results, you are edged on and you are doing it and you are doing it and you are expanding and you are growing. the moment your heart leaves the thing, you will see that the thing comes to a stop. No progress, no expansion, no increase, no growth. Something has gone wrong. You have to go and seek the face of the Lord and ask God, God, am I at the right place? Am I doing the right thing? When you are able to discover the will and the calling of God in your area of profession and the way God wants you to run your life and run your business, it is the number one step towards obedience. Because once you know this is the will of God and you are doing it, you are obeying God. If it is not the will of God, you are doing it in the first place means disobedience. Find the will of God, search for it. Look for it. It's not easy, but you'll find it. You'll find it. You will find it. Genesis chapter 12. 
Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abraham. Now the verse means that the verse 12 in which the chapter 12 and verse 1 in which we see these instructions was actually not the time that God was instructing Abraham for the first time. What it means is that before this age 75 when we are reading this chapter 12 God had already spoken to Abraham. And that is why I brought you the revelation I said God actually actually spoken to him for the first time when he was 50 years. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And you think this is an easy instructions? Somebody who has been settled with his family and lie and wife and, 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 and nephews and his cattle and sheep and everything. And God says, get out. Where? I will show you. When you go, I will show you. Ha! Huh? I can imagine some intelligent young people that say, God, no, this one is not mathematical. It's not mathematical. Prove it with diagrams. Well, you know, show me the map. I want to see the map. Where do I go? How can I just come out and say, I, 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 I'm, I'm going? Am I a fool? But the reason is that if God told him where he was going, it would be very difficult for God to set him test to pass. So God said, go to a place, I will show you the reason. So that any step that he made and any place you go to, he would turn to God and ask God, I've got to point A, what next do I do? And God will say, go to point B. And then when you get to point B, God will say, what next? God wants communion with his children and with his people because that is a recipe for obedience. When you break communication with God, you are likely to start fighting God and disobeying him because then you think that with your strength and your energy, you can do it and succeed. So God says, get out, but I will show you. You think God didn't know the person you'll be marrying when, from when you were five years, when you were three years. God knew. But why wouldn't God show you? God will never show you his name or where he lives and so on so that you can rely and depend upon God and seek his face. Come out and I'll show you the place where you will go. And any place that you get to, you must stop and ask me for the next direction. Keep relationship with me. Keep communion with me. It's not an easy instruction. But that was God's will for Abraham. And he must find and search and look for the will. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him that curses you. Have you thought about that one before? When it comes to those who bless you, it is plural. Those. But when it comes to the one who will curse you, it is him. One person. I was looking at it. God says, I should tell you, those who will bless you are more than those who will curse you. And, and God says, I should tell you, for any one curse that comes upon your life, there will be multiple blessings to offset that curse. Oh, come on you. If you can't cut this revelation, I don't know what. 
those who bless you and him that curses you and so for those who bless you it's plural but for those who curse you it is singular for everyone curse upon your life God will release multiple blessings to cancel and to offset the curse upon your life somebody shout I receive it and God says, you are always crying about those who curse you and those who don't love you. God said, open your eyes and you will discover that those who are on your side and those who love you, they are more. They are many. So keep your eye on the positive and keep your mouth on the positive and forget about those who bite you and kill. Try to kill. They will succeed. They will succeed. Give the Lord a shouting offering and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Speak to somebody and say, say can you count your enemies? Tell somebody, count your enemies. Now, start counting, start counting them. Now, tell him, stop, stop, brother. Tell, tell. And then, say, say, count your blessings also, count your blessings. And ask him, what do you see? What do you see? Tell, tell, him, tell him, I have more blessings than curses. Are you sure? Ask another person. Maybe the person by you, that's all. ask the person, say, say, how many curses? Say, how many curses? And say how many blessings, and then and then do your hand and say weigh the curses and the blessings. Now weigh, weigh. Now which one is which one is weightier? Oh, shout three times, I am blessed. I said shout three times, I am blessed. Yeah, I was amazed. That those who will bless us are more than those who curse us. It means that as a matter of fact, the curses come from only one person, devil. And he has divisioned himself into small demons that we must begin to just spit upon them and sprinkle some small blood and communion oil and anointing oil upon them and begin to ignore them, you know, because it's only one person that has divided himself. But when it comes to blessing, blessing is divided into Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and the whole church were praying for Peter when he was in prison, the whole church. The whole church were praying for Peter when he was in prison. And the noise was so much in heaven, God could not sit and say, Look, let's release the man. Let's release the man. Let's release the man. You want to attain obedience, number two. Follow God's timetable. Follow God's timetable. God has a timetable for achievement for every man and every woman on the face of this earth. And when your time comes, God will certainly open the door. If you do not wait for God's timetable and you jump ahead of God's timetable, you will jump into disaster and into destruction. Is somebody hearing me? And you know, he, you heard what the angel said to Sarah. He said, and in the full, in the, in the, uh, he said, I will return to you in the time of life. <laughs> time of life. It means that life is divided into times. Time to sow and time to reap. Divided into seasons. And when your season comes 
for excellence and for promotion. Look, anybody who will fight you will fail. They won't, they won't just succeed because your time has just come. Oh, somebody, you didn't hear their prophecy. I receive it. When your time comes, when your time comes, you lost the baby because just take it easy. The next baby which is coming is more powerful and beautiful than the one that you lost. Life is divided into seasons and times. And God has a timetable. And when God says to Abraham, Abraham, I will visit you and you have a child, your child's name, I don't want to reveal to you, but your son, your wife Sarah shall bring forth. And then Abraham jumped ahead of God's timetable and went for Haggai and then brought forth Ishmael. When you jump ahead of God's timetable, the product will be Ishmael. And it doesn't matter how old Ishmael will be. You can go to God and say, God, I don't need a child anymore. Ishmael is enough for me. I think that I have an heir. Somebody from my, my... God said, no, sir. Thank you very much for Ishmael. But I promise you, Isaac, and Isaac, you are going to get. And Isaac is going to be the heir. Ishmael is a product of the flesh. It's a product of the flesh. Let me define to you Ishmael. Ishmael is anything born out of the flesh. One, two. Born outside the will of God. Three. Born by men's ideas and manipulation. Ishmael is anything born out of the flesh. You didn't consult the spirit. You didn't enter into the spirit. You didn't receive a revelation. You, 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 you got it by the flesh. Ishmael is anything born out of the will of God. And Ishmael is anything born out of man's ideas, wisdom and manipulation. If you have a church that God did not give birth to, but it's a church that is born out of man's greed to make money for himself, that church is an Ishmael church. If you have a marriage that God did not ordain, but because you got pregnant, you rushed quickly to get married, that marriage is Ishmael kind of marriage. If you have a marriage based upon how wealthy the man is, irrespective of the fact that you are the third wife and you entered into it, that is a, an Ishmael kind of marriage. It's born out of the flesh. It's born out of man's ideas if you have a kind of business that you didn't wait upon the Lord you entered into it because friends had entered into it and you are following friends it's born out of the flesh that is Ishmael and anything that is Ishmael is danger and troublesome Ishmael Today, anything Ishmael in your life, I cancel by the power of the blood. If, if there is a man in your life who is leading you to produce Ishmael type of marriage, I remove him out of your life. I strain the relationship and I cancel it. Oh, come on. And somebody say, yes. There are some friends in your life and they, they are going to make you produce some Ishmael kind of uh, products. Oh my God. I cancel the relationship and take them out of your life. 
you won't produce Ishmael. You produce Isaac. You produce the will of God. You will wait for God's time. Even if it's 25 years, you will wait. And in the long run, it will speak. Oh, even though the vision is for an appointed time, it shall uh, and it shall tarry. Yet it shall surely come. And therefore, you must wait. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Wait upon the Lord, rest upon him, and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The vision is for an appointed time. It's for an appointed time. The vision is for an appointed time. It's for a set time. God has a time for it. God has a plan for it. It is not now. It will, you are only rushing. You are only rushing. You must pass a test before you pass the obedience test. You must pass a major. You must pass a major test. Abraham, yes, Lord. Oh God, you've called me again. I have given you six tests. There is the seventh one. And Abraham, if you pass this seventh one, the seventh test, you'll be the father of nations. I pronounced you a father of nations some 50 years ago, but you are not there yet. And this time around, when God was calling him, Isaac was 25 years old. Abraham was 100 years, uh, 125. God said, Sacrifice your only son, your only son Isaac. Yehovah. I am 25 years. If I sacrifice my only son, Lord, one man, why God again, one again? God said, Give it to me. Your son Isaac, who represents the embodiment of your faith. Your son Isaac represents your whole life. Your son Isaac represents your future. Your son Isaac represents that which you cherish, that which you hold on to. Your son Isaac represents all that you have given him to me. And if you are able to give me all that you cherish, then I know that you are faith in me. Then I know you love me. Then I can do business with you. I can't do business with anybody who hasn't passed the test of obedience. Your anointing is located. In your obedience to God. So what is your Isaac? Your Isaac is something, anything that you hold on to, you cherish, you love, you don't want to give it out. And God said, yes, give it to me. I identify 11 of these Isaacs in our lives. Number one, Your Isaac number one. Those of you who like a lot of women womanizers, God will test you, and your test paper will be womanizing one theory, and then womanizing two practicals. God knows that. There is something in you when you see women you cannot resist. So he will test you and test you and test you until you pass before he will lift you. For, for every promotion, you must write a test. And God will pick the area of your life that which is very difficult for you to master and to conquer over. That is why he will test you. Test number three. Some of you, those who are quick 
quick-tempered and always angry and intolerant and unforgiving. Yehovah, God will always bring agents who will hit exactly the area of your heart. Say things that you you hurt you so that you react, so you respond. And anytime you are reacting and responding, you are getting angry and you are throwing hot water at people and breaking glasses, the devil says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are failing the test. Test number four. Those who like drinking, alcohol, beer, bet you, you'll be amazed how every day, anytime you come, God will bring you to the place where they are drinking. Oh, yeah. Test number five. When God discovers that you, you like following bad friends, Always in the company of bad friends, those who are doing some mischief, those who are jumping the school wall to go to town, rowdy boys who will go and beat some people and scatter so that they will know that they are the macho men. When God discovers that that is your habit and that's your character, He will create more problems, more temptations for you to continue to do it. Until you start passing. Test number six. When God discovers that you, your whole world, one big, big, big problem that you have is to look at your pay packet at the end of the month, how scanty and tiny it is vis-a-vis your bills and to take one-tenth Especially those of you who are on 10 million salary. To take 1 million or you get a breakthrough for 20 million and you have to take 2 million to come and give to God. Meanwhile, you have to do things and pay bills maybe to the tune of about 30 million. The next thing you say is that God, wait next month. So, you ask God to wait in January. February comes, he should wait. March comes, he should wait. Up to November, the whole year you discover that you would have paid tight about just twice in a month. When God discovers that you, tithing is your problem, Yehovah, then he will place the test. He will test you. Every month when you fail, your miracle fails. You fail and fail and fail. But when you pass one month, the, the, sometimes you people make mistakes and think that when you pay a tight one month, no, you pass the test. Who told you that? He will test you the next month. He will test you another month. He will test you. He will test you and test you until he discovers that you have mastered the skill. You have now known his will. Then the door will open. Test number Seven, when God discovers that you, your big, big, big problem is during offering time, you look at how much you have. 80,000. And then you take 5,000. And then you push the 75,000. And then the 5,000, you squeeze it in your hand like this. And then the ushers will come smiling that, that they'll be singing. 
Then you make your face like somebody who is fighting with God. With the blessings on it. Why did you why did you squeeze your hand? Because you are holding a wicked offering into your hand. When God discovers that you, anytime you have money, sharing the money with him is a difficult thing for you. He always creates avenue for you to be tested there until you master. Until you learn the skill. When offering time is coming, you don't even count the money. You just put in your hand your pocket and then prove. That's normal. Then, if God discovers that your problem is studying the word of God, God notices that you, you don't like studying the Bible, then God will intentionally locate your miracle to be hiding in certain biblical passages. And until you find those passages to minister Rima to you, you will never get your miracle. And, and you'll be amazed that sometimes some of these passages and verses in the scriptures that your miracles are located in, they are passages that we read in church. The pastor uses it in preaching. But it won't click. It won't click. Now, but after you yourself spend time between you and God in your closet and you take the same passage again, all of a sudden when you are reading it, something will hit you. Boom. Wow. So this thing meant this. And I didn't know. And then when you start praying on the verse, you discover that it is the key to opening your miracle door. When God discovers that your problem is studying the word of God, my God, he will always locate your miracle hiding in certain biblical passages. That's normal. Is it 12 or 11? Fasting should be the 12th. Have I mentioned prayer? When God discovers that you, you don't like praying. You always like pray for me. Somebody must pray for you and prophesy to you. Pray for you and prophesy to you. God will lock your miracle in a one hour prayer. And God said, this child, if she does not go to spend one hour with me, to pray herself, she will never get the miracle. He will never get the miracle until you have learned to go on your knees and pray yourself and seek the face of the Lord. Because God knows that you don't want to pray. So you place your test there until you have learned to commit situations into God's hands. Test number 12. When God discovers that your problem is fasting. Anytime your group is fasting, your, the month in which you are born is fasting. Anytime the church is fasting, January, that is the time you are eating. God say, more, well done. God will continue. As a matter of fact, it's because of you, that is why God says we should start the fasting from Wednesday. Wednesday is second. So you have all your chicken to eat by first. When they don't get finished, suspend it. Let's fast. When you finish the fasting, come back to eat. We are doing fasting. Fasting is abstinence from food. 
for a declared period of time. And in our case, we are not eating till we have broken the fast after prayer each day, starting from Wednesday. Five o'clock, we start praying here. We pray through through about eight o'clock. Standing on your feet, except the old men and the old women, and the pregnant women and the nursing babies, nursing mothers. And when you are able to go to the through the fast and you fast. Diligently, with all your heart, then God say, Well done, the door will open. Fast in the midst of plenty, fast in the midst of temptations. This is your fast. Don't let it become too difficult for you, otherwise, God will repeatedly test you there. And God will intentionally locate your miracle in it. Let me just finish by giving you Genesis chapter 22. Now, just write it and, or just listen to it. Genesis 22. Now, after Abraham passed the test in sacrificing his Isaac, then God comes up to him and said, Now I know that you trust me and you respect and you love me. In blessing, I will bless you. And then he said, I swear by myself. And when God says, I swear by myself, then God is now making an oath. An oath, O-A-T-H. An oath is a declaration of intention sealed. Sealed by ratification. It's a declaration of an intention sealed by ratification. So we call it ratified oath. And when God said, he said, I swear that in blessing, I will bless you and I'll bless your descendants. And God said something very powerful. He said, and your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. Then I would have said, wait a minute. Why do we possess the gates of our enemies? God said, in the camp of our enemies, that is where they have stolen our wives and our husbands and they have kept them. Our children and they have made them alcoholics and drug addicts. That's why they've stolen all our monies and they are keeping our monies. They've stolen our talents, they've stolen our joy, they've stolen. The devil has kept all these good things in his camp. And God says, because of the oath that he has sworn in Abraham, that affects us. And when you read Galatians chapter 3, verses 5, 6, 7, and he says, And they that believe with father Abraham, with believing Abraham, the same possess also the blessings of Abraham. And they that believe with believing Abraham by faith, the same possess also. And he said, for in Abraham shall the families of the earth be blessed. How do we get blessing, Abraham? By connecting to the covenant. How? By faith. By receiving the righteousness of God through him. And God says, in Abraham we are blessed. And he said in Genesis 22, you and your descendants will be blessed 
descendants. Who are they? I am among. You are among. We are born of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. I am a descendant. And God made an oath to Abraham on my behalf. And he says, I will possess the gates of my enemies. Which means that anything belonging to me, which my enemies have taken and locked up, God says, I will not wait for them to bring it to me. Because if I waited for them to bring it to me, they will never bring it to me. Because they rejoice to see me suffer. They rejoice to see me sick. They rejoice to see me fail. So God will give me such an anointing that I will go into their frontiers and their gates and I will pull their gates apart. And everything of mine that they have learned, I will release and I'll call out. Is somebody receiving this revelation? Is somebody receiving a revelation? From today, you are not going to be afraid of the enemy who has taken anything from you anymore. God has given you the mandate. You are going to go to them and you will knock their gate. You pull their gates apart. And anything of yours which you have taken, I release it and you will have it. And, and God made this an oath. He swore. And you think God is joking? Take advantage. Know who you are. Pass the tests. For the reward is overwhelming. God's blessing is big and it's coming. God bless you. Lift up your two hands. Say, Father, you have spoken to me. I am ready for any test that will come my way. I will pass. I will pass. If I fall, I will rise again. What I could not do 2001, by the presence of the anointing, 2002, I will succeed. I will make it. I will move forward. I declare my life blessed. And I am blessed forever. Give the Lord a resounding celebration of praise. Come on, go ahead and give the Lord a resounding celebration. God bless you. It is our fervent prayer that this message will have an effect on your life and will lift you to the place where you belong. Royal House Chapel International, touching our generation with the power of God. God richly bless you. Ancient words will guide.